Romans, Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. This is part 4 of a series that we're doing here on Wednesday nights. Don't know how much longer it will last, but the title of it is Blessed Be the, I'm sorry, Blessed is the Man. And uh, we've done three parts. Let me scroll down here and I'll tell you specifically what they've been. Uh, part one, if I can get to it here, uh, was blessed is the man that endures temptation. Part two was blessed is the man that you choose. And last week was blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. And this week we'll specifically look at blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And this is most important, as they all are, that we understand uh, this, this gift that we've been given, this place that we have been led to in Christ Jesus you know, the Bible says that it was the, the blood that made us near to God. It was the blood that drew us near. In Ephesians 2.13, it tells us that, that the blood is what made us near to God. In Jeremiah 31 and 3, it says His loving kindness drew us, but it's the blood that brought us near. The loving kindness is drawing every human being on the planet, but only the blood of Jesus makes you near to God and keeps you near to God. If we venture away from a focus of what we're always being delivered unto, which is the death of Jesus, then we will venture away in a, in a hazy and a blind place uh, spiritually, and we won't see things the way we could. A blind man still sees things, but he sees things outside of what they really are. A blind man sees things in his mind. He don't, he don't know what they really are supposed to look like, but he has his imagination. You know, you can tell him what it looks like, but he's got his own view of that because he can't see it. And it's like that for everybody who's not looking to and through the blood. They can't see accurately the things of God. I don't care how well orated they are in the scriptures. I don't care how seeming to be gifted they are. I don't care about any of that. If they're not looking to, pointing to, and looking through the cross of Christ at all things, they're blind. My Bible tells me they're blind. So outside of looking to and through the blood of Jesus, everything is just a show of man. It's a show of men. It's entertainment. But when we're looking to and through the blood of Jesus, we're experiencing God at work in our lives. And that's what the Bible teaches. But there is a, this, this, this place that we, this gift that we've received of being blessed because God has not imputed sin unto us is, is, uh, is a, the greatest gift that we've received really. And we'll see why tonight as we look at Romans chapter 4 verses 7 and 8 saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Now he's pulling this from the old covenant and we'll go look uh, where he's pulling it from in just a moment. In verse 8, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And that word impute literally means to apply 
guilt to apply sin to that man. When God forgives you, you are forgiven. There's no more condemnation. And there's no more guilt. Now see, you know, a judge can tell you that, you know, whatever you did, you're, you're, if you did it uh, but, but, and you serve five years for doing it because you're guilty, but you do your time, you still carry the guilt around from doing that even after you're out of the penitentiary. Because you did it. Jesus, when you accept Christ, you're not only forgiven, but God forgets what you did and gives you a brand new slate. All things become new, and he's not looking back, pointing back. He's not holding anything over you. If he did, you would be condemned still. But we're no longer condemned because we're in Christ Jesus. We're in the one that removed the guilt and the shame of our sin for us at Calvary. So let's read this again and we'll go back and look at where the Holy Spirit uh, drew it from, from the Old Covenant. Romans 4 and 7 and 8 say, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. And if we had time, I'd love to teach all of Romans 4, but uh, I've already taught it, and I'll teach it again if the Lord tarry. And Robin asked me one day, what are you going to teach after you've already taught the whole Bible? I said, I'm going to start over and teach it again. Hallelujah. I'm a teacher. We were somewhere not long ago, and Robin got a discount because she was a teacher, and I told the lady, I'm a teacher. She said, what do you teach? I said, the Word. (laughs) That's the way it is. I mean... I mean, I get, I get no uh, recognition, and I don't need any, but I, I am a teacher. Preachers and teachers don't get discounts for... <laughs> In heaven, we do. Psalms 32. I hear you back there, Brother Greg. Psalms 32 is where the Holy Spirit pulled this truth from the old and brought it to light because of the cross of Christ in the New Testament. Psalms 32, 1 and 2, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. He quoted the same exact thing. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputes, imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Now we know that's us now in Christ Jesus. We're forgiven. God has not imputed. He's not applied guilt and sin to us any longer. We've been freed from not only the guilt and shame of sin, but we've been made free from the sin nature. Amen. See, Jesus didn't just say you're forgiven. He took care of what was causing the problem. See, a judge that you go stand before in this system, he can free you and say not guilty, and even after serving your time, you can be considered having done your time and paid the price, but, but can't nobody remove what's causing the problem but Jesus. And Jesus can't even remove what's causing the problem unless you accept by faith his work that removed it, which is the cross of Christ, that meaning his death. 
That's where the Christian has to begin to learn to not, that they're not just forgiven, but they have to begin to learn Romans chapter 6 to reckon themselves to be dead indeed to the problem, which is the sin nature that causes all the sin. Most Christians today think that they're smoking or they're drinking or they're drugs, they're foul mouth, they're this, they're all the list is a mile long is the problem. And they are problems, but they are not the problem There is a a main problem that causes all those things, and it's called the heart not being right with God. It's called the sin nature. And unless we begin to experience the cross on a moment-by-moment basis in an understanding that Jesus not only forgave us and, and pardoned us from iniquity, but there's a power that comes there now over the sin nature if we'll learn to serve obedience unto righteousness by faith in the cross. Most Christians think that the cross is just what got them saved. They have no clue that it has to be a part of their moment-by-moment living. of all Christians do not know that. Andrew was telling me the other day, he said, Dad, he said, some people think that everybody has heard this message. Very few have heard this message. Very few have heard this message. Out of the numbers of people who have heard the message of the cross, talking about Christians who've heard it, he said they, they never they didn't really hear it. And he said, and 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 most of the church has not even heard it yet. They've not heard it. You know what it's like when you, you, you stop drinking and you stop carousing out there and 10, 15 years go by and you think, wow, you know, I guess everything's settled down out there. No, it hadn't. It's 100 times worse. You're just not around it. It is increasing. It is evil. If you can't see that, and I know you're not around it to see it, but all you got to do is turn your TV on, you'll see it. All you got to do is get out of the house and go to Walmart, you'll see it. Just because you don't drink and cuss and do drugs anymore don't mean that the world hadn't escalated in all of that because it has. So we have this tendency, though, to think that, well, everything's getting okay just because we're not around all that. No, it's getting 100 times worse. So just because you're in a church that focuses on the right message, the message that God is focused on, the message of what His Son did at Calvary, doesn't mean that the church is hearing this everywhere. Very few people that are saved have ever heard the focus of Calvary for the saved life. Very few. And the few that have, though it would probably be a million, two, hopefully more, the few that have out of all those that claim Christianity didn't really hear it, didn't really accept it. So our mission, we have a mandate to to remain where we've stood for all these years, which is the focus of the Lamb and what He did at Calvary. And when you do, God will open up the Scriptures because the Scriptures, for them to be opened up, they must reveal Christ. He said the Scriptures are about Him. Hallelujah. So it takes the cross to reveal Jesus to us, right? It takes the cross to reveal Jesus to us and it takes the cross to reveal the living word of who Jesus is to our hearts that we might walk in the truth of his word.
So, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. You're here tonight and you're blessed. If you're saved, you're blessed. You might not know how blessed you are. None of us really do. But you are the blessed man or the blessed woman. If God has forgiven you, that means he's forgiven you. He's not holding anything over you. That's why you'll hear me say many times when I'm praying for people that God's not going to base anything he's going to do for you from this moment on on anything in your past, nothing. Now, the world will. The world will tell you. Or the church will even tell you. You can't be a preacher, son. You can't be a deacon in our church, son. And they'll point to some sin that was in your past that the blood has washed away and you can't even talk to God about it because he don't remember what it was. And, and it's gone, but men will hold you condemned and, and, and buried down and kicked around because of something that's not even there. Your past has been erased. And for me to try to say you can't do this because you used to do that is not the move of God. It is the hindrance to what God is trying to do. If I would have listened to men, I would never be pastor of a church. People told me that I couldn't. And I can't, but he can. They was right. I can't, and I still don't know what I'm doing. But he does, and he can. Amen. I'm not trying to be a professional preacher, and that's why most people can't listen to me, because I'm not one. I ain't trying to be. I'm thankful for my, my Lord, and I'm thankful for the call on my life, but I ain't trying to be professional. Amen. A lot of people don't listen to us because we, we're not like other people that they look up to. You know, we look into Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's look at another verse in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 5 and 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. Here we're going to see where it all took place. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. To know, which is what to wit means, to know that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Let's just do a dig here for a moment because I didn't put it in my notes. The word impute... God not imputing our trespasses unto us means that he took an inventory. He, he took an estimate, and, and the next definition is conclude. He concluded that we're not guilty. And he's not imputing sin. He, he's not uh, uh, esteeming us guilty of sin anymore. He's, he's, not, he, he's concluded that we're not guilty. And when God says something not guilty, it ain't guilty. I don't care what man says. I don't care what you and me say. Our heart can condemn us, but the Bible says in the New Testament, when our hearts condemn us, remember God's greater than your heart. And God ain't condemning you. God may show up and correct you. He may show up and rebuke you, but a rebuke is not condemnation. Correction is not condemnation. I see Pastor Wayne Voss making that comment all the time. Correction is not condemnation. It's correction. I mean, when my daddy was beating me with a belt when I was a kid and I needed it and I needed it a lot more than I got it, but he wasn't condemning me. He was disciplining me. 
He was correcting me. He wasn't condemning me. Amen. He was disciplining me. And that's, that's the way it is with God. Christians today don't think that God disciplines. They don't think that God chastises. If The Bible says if he ain't chastising you, you ain't his. Somebody, you need to have a testimony of the last time God chastised you. Don't we get quiet up in here now? Hmm. Not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, we're going to read this Bible verse again, and I want you to know that there is, a, there is something that happens when you become not guilty of your sin. I'm talking about the revelation of being born again. There's a lot of people who, who believe there's a God, and they believe that Jesus did something on the cross. They take it as a historical fact, but they've never accepted it in their heart. They've never been born again. Their life has never been stopped, turned around, and changed, and they start going the other way because now they got a new commander in their life, and his name is Jesus. A lot of people have never been born again. They sit in churches all over this nation, but they've never been born again. They just agree with things that are said that are biblical, but they've never had a changed heart when you have this changed heart, this when you begin to realize that God has said that you're not guilty, that he's wiped away the guilt from your sin, and he's given you a whole new uh, way of living, a whole new source of living, and he's, he's made everything brand new, and he does it every single day, every single moment, hallelujah, then there is something that happens to you. This, I believe we'll see in this one Bible verse tonight why the truly born-again child of God instantly has a desire to get one of these and to learn about their God. I believe it automatically happens. It's one of the very first things the Holy Spirit does. He tells us you need to know more. And you want to know more. The truly born-again child of God wants to know more about what just happened to them. They want to know more about this, that God loved me and God will forgive me. And he gave his son, he put his son through that horrible uh, work of death on the cross for me. He loves me and did that for me. And when you believe that was specifically and personally for you, that God did that for you and you're born again in that twinkling of an eye moment, there is a desire to know God. And if that didn't happen, you are not born again. You are not born again because your desires change as the new creation that you have become. You are no longer who you used to be and the new person has new desires. You might not really know how to deal with it, what to do, but they are there. Listen, a new person has a whole new desire because you... The Bible says all things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. And you don't understand that. I didn't understand that when I was born again, but nevertheless, it's the Word of God, and it happened. It's true because you can't refute the Word. You might not be able to explain everything that happened, and nobody can when they're born again, but a lot of things happened. And one of them was that you were given a desire for the Word of God. You were given a desire for God, and the Word of God is God. Amen. So let's look at this verse again, and I believe the Lord will show us something tonight that will help us, This that he's birthed an ever-born-again believer's heart. To know that God was in Christ, 
reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The word that reconciled you is now birthed in your heart and committed unto you to carry that word. Amen. That's why when you're born again and you're saved, you, 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 you want to tell people what happened. That's why. Because you're a new creation and God has immediately committed unto you that same word of reconciliation that saved your soul. Immediately. Amen. You didn't understand that. Nobody does, I don't think, unless somebody's standing there preaching it to you right out of the Word when you're born again and helping you. And most of the time that's not the case. But there is some Word taking place when you're born again. Amen. And whatever the Word was that led you in the Scriptures to understand that God gave His Son because He loved you and He died for you on the cross, that was a Word of reconciliation because it reconciled you to God through Christ and what He did at Calvary. There's no other place to be reconciled to God except in Christ, the place where He was not imputing sins to men but accepting what Christ did to be able to forgive our sins. That I, that I say a thousand times a day, don't I, honey? Somebody ought to shout, hallelujah. And every time I do it, she shouts a little bit. Somebody ought to shout. You, 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 I mean, you got saved, man. You're no longer on your way to hell. You're on your way to heaven. And God immediately committed that same word that reconciled you to you. It's been committed unto you. Let's read another verse or two before I move on. Verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And look how he closes this little portion of Scripture out. Because he's made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, when we were reconciled to God, we were reconciled to him through Christ where sin was being forgiven through the blood that was being shed. And I think we, we, we take... We look at we don't look at that and mark it on your list. I hope you're taking the list every time I preach till I die. I hope it happens. But you need to add this to your collection of the reasons why the Holy Spirit always delivers you unto death is so you will remember you are saved and that He has committed unto you the word, the word of what He's delivering you unto. The death of Jesus. You ain't got a testimony if it ain't about to cross. We overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Not a testimony about drugs or alcohol. The testimony is about the lamb. A lot of people running around talking about God did this and God did that. If he didn't do it through your faith in the blood of the lamb, you just taking a break from whatever had a hold of you. It's coming back with more power. Hmm. Mm. So, let's look at some benefits tonight 
of being forgiven. Because you're forgiven, listen to me, just because you're forgiven, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus and you are in a relationship with Almighty God. I believe we're going to need these things in the days ahead. I believe most of the church, uh, what's about to happen in the days ahead, most of the church is going to run, stick its head in the sand. A lot of people be too scared to even get out and come to church when there ain't really no need to at first, but they'll use it for an excuse. But you better gather as long as you can. It's quiet up in here tonight. I said you better gather as long as you can. I told our folks years ago, you better be doing what you're called to do now because if you don't, there will come a day when you can't do what you were called to do. That's still the word. You better do now what God's given you an opportunity to do to be able to lay up treasure for yourself now because if you don't and you refuse to, there will come a day when you will not be able to and all you will do is wish that you would have. Don't live that life at the end of your life thinking, oh, I wished I knew. I knew I should have. I knew it. Do today what God has called you to do today. Amen. Be, we're in relationship with God just because we're forgiven. Because we're forgiven. We're, we're in fellowship with Christ. We, we live in him and move in him and have our being with him and we talk with him and he talks with us. We're in fellowship with the Lord because we're forgiven. Anybody who's not forgiven, none of this is for them. They can't experience this. And I've already mentioned this one, but we have had the word of reconciliation committed unto us. Listen to this now. We can now forgive others and not condemn them because we've been forgiven. If you've been forgiven, your potential there is available to you not to forgive everybody that does anything to you. Anything. You say, preacher, that's hard. We ain't talking about hard. We're talking about what you have the potential now to do because you are forgiven. A lot of things are hard. A lot of things are hard, but if we live our whole lives using that for an excuse, then we will excuse away what could have been because we are forgiven, we can forgive. Mm-hmm. We can live without a condemned heart. We don't have to go to bed at night with a condemned heart. If there's something wrong, something that's not right, something that's not lining up, if there's something there, the Holy Spirit is faithful enough to convict us of what's there. 
And he won't ever, you know it's true, you've heard it many times, he won't ever tell you something's wrong without telling you why it's wrong and what makes it right. He won't do it. He won't ever come up and just say, you're wrong. That's it. Don't lay in the bed worrying yourself about something. I wonder if something's wrong. I'm thinking, quit doing that. Holy Spirit dwells in you. He don't play tiddlywinks. If something's wrong, he's going to reveal what's wrong. Let me say it tonight. If something's wrong, you know what's wrong. Y'all quiet up in here tonight. If something's wrong, there's a lot of people, I just, I don't know, I'm feeling awful weird. Quit doing all that silly stuff. If something's wrong, he is God. <laughs> He's going to reveal to you what is wrong. Amen. Try that. Don't, don't let your heart condemn you. If something's wrong, take it to the cross. We can love others properly because we're forgiven. Because forgiveness is rooted in God's love for us. He loved us so much, He forgave us. Amen. That's powerful. Forgiveness. You know, there are people who can't forgive. And some people, I understand, they, they, some people had some stuff happen to them that I will never, ever be able to imagine because I, I was so blessed growing up. But I've heard stories. People have told me their stories, not just from abused, being abused children, but I've sat and listened to women tell me stories of the most horrendous things that mean husbands have done to them that I just can't even imagine that. Burning, biting, kicking, chaining them to places. And when they get saved, if they're not careful and they don't keep looking and learning to look to what Jesus did at Calvary, they will hold that bitterness of unforgiveness in their heart their whole life and they won't be able to not only forgive them. Listen, if there's somebody you can't forgive, then you can mark it down tonight. There's going to be a bunch of folk you ain't going to forgive. You say, no, I can forgive almost anything but that. No, if you can't forgive that, you can't really forgive. You've got to forgive, and, and we cannot forgive unless we're walking in the revelation of being forgiven. Check. That's why he delivers us unto the place we were forgiven every moment of our lives. Every moment of your life. The Holy Spirit is never not delivering you unto death. Why? Again tonight, another reason. So you can remember every moment that you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Look at how she's looking at me. I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. Did you hear what they said about you, preacher? But I'm forgiven. Now, I'm not talking about I get this right all the time. I'm talking about I do have to fight the good fight of faith to press in and to keep looking at that. Looking at that. God wants you to look at what he's delivering you unto. And if you refuse to, then you're not going to be able to forgive them. You might act like you're forgiving that, but you ain't because you can't forgive that. Mm. Amen. It's a hard issue. It's not some items. It's a hard. You got one heart. It's a hard issue. Amen, Brother Curtis. Hmm. 
because we're forgiven, we can be found striving together for the faith of the gospel. If we're, if we're looking at what God delivers us unto always, and I'm talking about 4, 2 Corinthians 4.11, for those who may be watching that's new, and those of you who may need to finally write this down and go look at it. I mean, I'm amazed at how many people can sit and listen to stuff I say over and over and over again, and then six months later say, what was that now? I'm t- this is important. This is, this is vitally important that you understand God's not delivering you anywhere but the death of Jesus because that's what's going to determine whether His grace is flowing through your life or your flesh is functioning. What you doing with that? What you doing with that? So the message of the cross that we begin to hear 8, 19, 20 years ago has brought us to this place only because by the grace of God, the Spirit of God, He's been able to keep our feet in the fire and He can reveal these things to us so that the church can wake up and we can stay awake. Amen. Now, let's close this service out tonight. I got about 17 minutes. I'll take them all. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 tonight. I posted this on social media a day or two ago. I can't really keep up with everything that that I do. But, uh, you know, the, the Bible says, I was thinking about this today. The Bible says when the gospel is preached throughout the whole world, then the Lord's coming. I believe that social media is of the Lord. I know the devil takes it and he uses it. I was telling my mama yesterday uh, that there is no such thing as evil unless it began as good. Because all evil is is taking good and twisting it and perverting it because good is always first. There is no evil that is not good taken and twisted to become evil. So, hmm, was I going somewhere with that? That's my better half supposed to be helping me. Huh? Social media. There it is. She is my better half right there. She's going to get up and preach one of these days. Social media is of the Lord. How do I know? Because it's helping us publish the word of the gospel. Every day. All over the world. All over the world. Every nation. Every tribe. Every tongue. Internet is everywhere. Years ago when it first came out, even over in Africa, they had satellite dishes on their grass huts. The gospel is being preached all over the world. And the Lord Jesus Christ is getting ready to come and get his bride. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, the Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. Everybody say one thing. Just one thing. Ain't that good? God don't make it hard. Just one thing. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, how? By reaching forth into those things which are before. A lot of folks are trapped in what's behind because that's what they're looking at. Anybody, y'all, anybody know how to ride a motorcycle? Anybody know how to ride a motorcycle? 
When you ride a motorcycle, and this is the craziest thing. Now, I know y'all think this might be silly, but this is a good example. When you ride a motorcycle, you don't look right down there where that tire is, where you're going, or you're going to have a wreck. And when you're coming up to a, a curve, I don't care how bad the curve is. Now, this ain't going to sound right for those of you that don't know, but this is a fact. I've had three bikes, and this is what they teach you when you go get your license. This is what they teach you. It, this, this is just the way it is. And, a, and, a, and an experienced biker will tell you, every one of them in the world will tell you this. When you're coming up on that curve, you're looking at where the curve is. You're not even looking right there. You're looking at where the curve is, and you automatically take that bike right around that curve. you got to be looking ahead. If you're going to move ahead, you got to be looking ahead. You cannot move ahead unless you're looking and reaching for what is ahead. If you're still looking at what's behind, holding on to what's behind, that's, you're not reaching for what's before you. To, to move on to what's in front of you, you got to be willing to let go of what's behind you. And listen, the only way all of that can happen is if your faith is in what Christ did at Calvary because that is what erased everything behind you. That is what forgave you of everything that not only you were guilty of, but you can now forgive people of everything they were guilty of against you. The cross is the eraser of God. It erases everything. It's what made everything pass away and you become brand new. This is why the message of the cross is so important. If it's not preached, there's not an object to touch. Mark it down, cha-ching. Another reason the Holy Spirit always delivers us unto death is so we can look to that lamb slain and be reaching for the provision that is before us that he's provided there and be able to forget what is behind. Without the cross, you can't do that. It'll just be a resolution that ain't going to work for you. It'll just be some declaration or some decree or I'm calling angels to inhabit this place and all this spooky witchcraft stuff that's going on in the church today. If they're not pointing to Calvary, they're not pointing to the place where you can behold and not only be changed, but be able to find the power of the Holy Spirit to let go of what's been holding you back and the eyesight and the strength, the grace to move ahead and to reach, the Bible says, for what's ahead. Reach for what's ahead. The Without the cross, you can't do that except in the vanity of our own minds. We all have to leave church on a different page wondering how this works, and so we come up with our own way, or we listen to the preachers that don't know the focus of the Lamb, so they get up and just uh, use music and all sorts of tools and that are fleshly and carnal that look real good and make you feel real good, but at the end of the day, when you go home and go to bed, the people don't have anything. They don't have anything. They don't have nothing but a remembrance of how good that service was. We need more than a good service, my friends. We need the power of God. Amen. Paul said, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. Now, this is a man, this is a man who met Jesus who was born again on the road to Damascus. This is a man who said, I, I'm counting everything lost by the way. One place he says, I've lost all things. 
He says, I'm counting everything dung for the sake of the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus, and he hardly wrote anything at all about the earthly life or ministry of Jesus. So what excelling knowledge was he going to gain, and from where would it come? Through the revelation he received of the cross. Think about that. This man who sold out to Jesus and said, I'm counting everything lost and dung for the sake of the excellency, meaning that which excels the knowledge of Christ. But he hardly even ever mentioned or wrote anything about the earthly life or ministry of Jesus. So where is this knowledge that excel coming from? The revelation of the cross. We need to know about the earthly life and ministry of Jesus? Absolutely. We need to have our hearts filled with the stories that tell us he fed every person that was there that came. He healed every individual that came to be healed. Nobody went home sick. The doctors weren't needed anymore. Imagine that. He healed them all. Nobody said, everybody but me. I wonder what's wrong with me. Everybody that came, he healed them all. All the thousands that were there with just a couple of handfuls of bread and fish, he multiplied it all and fed them all. But Paul said he's going after the knowledge that excels. And he never even mentioned, rarely I'll say, did he mention Christ, his earthly life or ministry. And it's because everything Jesus did in his earthly life and ministry, I believe they're all wrapped up together, was about what he was about to do at Calvary. All of it. All the miracles, he was performing those under the law. They were still under the law. Even Jesus, born of a woman, under law. All of the life and ministry of Jesus was under law. It was all going to culminate in why he really came, who he really was, and what he really came to do and be to all those that would believe in him, which was at the cross. Think about that. Paul wanted knowledge that would excel. Mm. And he said, this one thing I do, I've not reached, I've not apprehended, I hadn't arrived. If I've arrived, ain't no need to forget nothing, ain't no need to be reaching for something because I'm, I'm here, I'm good. People accused us of many years now. They just think they've arrived. No, we, ha we know we hadn't, that's why we preach in the cross. That's why we trusting in the Lamb, because we know we hadn't apprehended it. We know we hadn't made it. We know we're not better than most. We know that we're worse than most. That's why we're learning to be determined to know nothing else. Say what they will. Say what they will, and they're going to say a lot in the days ahead. Hmm. Forgetting those things which are behind. How? Reaching forth unto those things which are before. Man, if you ain't reaching for what's ahead of you because of your faith in the sacrifice of Christ, you ain't going to be able to let go of what's behind you. You might even think you have, and then one day you wake up, and there it is again right there. Mm. One more verse tonight. 
2 Corinthians 4, 16, 17, and 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, this is a beautiful scripture. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish. What's our outward man doing? Perishing. You heard me say it before. I was thinking about it today. We hear, we've said it all our lives. We've been wrong, by the way. When we say God's either going to heal them, raise them up right now, or he's going to heal them and take them home. That second part ain't right. Ain't nobody getting healed when they die. What's sick ain't leaving. And what you get ain't going to need healing. <laughs> you going to get healed here and raised up here or your outward man's going to reach the culmination of passion every day and die and then you ain't getting a healing, you're getting a new body that'll never need healing. See how wrong we can be, Brother Greg? We just get caught up saying things and it's okay because we ignorant. That don't mean we're dumb. It just means we're ignorant. And we say things and we don't know we're saying them wrong, but then we learn. We go, wow. When you go to heaven, you don't get healed. You get a new body that never needs healing. What needed healed is stuck here to perish and be dust again. See how good that is? Oh, that's good. That, somebody ought to shout hallelujah. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man, I said the inward man, is renewed day by day. That's the only part of you being renewed day by day. And he's only renewed as he's beholding what God's delivering us unto. For our light affliction, watch now, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Mm, well, it's a long moment sometimes. Works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while we look. Everybody say, while we look. Now everybody say, not. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. And God tells you, quit looking at them. I'm talking about the infirmities. I'm talking about the things that are behind what he did to you that he needs to be in the penitentiary for doing to you. I get that. But he didn't go, but you don't need to be in a penitentiary spiritually because you can't forgive him. Amen. I'll never forgive him. Then you'll never live the, with the freedom and the liberty Christ died for you to have. Go to heaven? Yeah, I hope you do. You probably will. If you're saved, I guess you will. But you, God wants you living in freedom, liberty now. And you can forgive them. Jesus on the cross said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Stephen, if I'm not mistaken, said the same thing while rocks were crushing in his head. So you can... Forgive. Why? Because you're forgiven. Verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We have to learn to look at the things that are not seen with the natural eye. You, listen, the Holy Spirit is delivering you always to something you can't see with the natural eye. You have to live by the truths of God's words that do not present a picture in the natural to you. This is in the spirit. I read a statement that set me on fire the other night by F.J. Hugel. It's the first part of the book he wrote, uh, The Enthroned Christian. He said, you, you, you're not getting anything in the hereafter that you don't already have now. In the spirit. I got to add, add that because that's fact. 
You're not getting anything in the hereafter that you don't already have now in the Spirit. You go home and think about that. You send me a message if you got a problem with it. I'll help you with Scripture. You're you're not going to receive anything in the hereafter that you don't already have in the Spirit. You already have a new man. You, You already are a new man. You already are seated with Christ in heavenly places. See there? You got to look. The reason that you can look ahead and reach ahead and let things go from behind is because you have accepted the reality of what you have to be seeing that, that gives you the power to do that. You can't just choose to have a New Year's resolution You heard what the preacher said. We need to let go of those things that are behind and reach for those things that are ahead. So that's what we're doing this year. I heard a woman last night on the radio driving back in from Natchitoches, Louisiana, that she was telling it, boy, she was telling it like it is. But her her ending statement of how, how this works for you was that you just tell God, you will be obedient. That's her answer. And thousands of people listened to her. And everything she said was right. But her ending comment as far as to how this whole thing that she taught works for you is you just tell God, I will be obedient. It won't work. It didn't work for Israel, and it won't work for you. Moses read the law to the people. What did they say in Exodus 24, verses 6 through 8? We will do it. We will be obedient. And what did God say through Moses? He said, behold the blood of the covenant. That was the answer to their reply, we will do it. We will be obedient. And God, through Moses, said, Behold the blood of the covenant that I've given you concerning all these words. A long time ago, sitting at a restaurant table in Atlanta, Texas, Lauren Larson asked me, When did everything click? And I said, when I realized that for years people were telling me what to do and nobody was telling me how to do it, and the message of the cross, God told me how, this is how it's done. This is how we do the will of God, by trusting in the one who perfectly did the will of God, Jesus Christ at Calvary. When we're brought into God's way and God's will, it's only because we're brought into the death of Jesus. And for that work, that work to continue, we must continue to behold it because God's not working in us based on any other work than that. What he did to forgive me allows me to forgive you. It allows me to 
when people round the corner in Walmart who have said ugly things about us for me to stretch my arms out wide and say, how you doing? Because I'm forgiven. God didn't condemn me. He's not holding anything over my head. God forbid I don't forgive others and that I hold something over their head in a guilty thing, in a guilty way. Amen? Blessed is the man to whom God does not impute sin. God sees you as a child of God because he was in Christ reconciling you unto him through his son and his son's death. Amen? I love waking up every day thinking I'm not guilty. I sleep good. And that's, that's, that's why the scriptures say that God gives his people sweet slumber. There's many Christians that cannot sleep at night. I, let, me, let me just give you a little advice as a pastor tonight before we pray and go home. If you can't sleep at night, turn the light on before you go to bed. Turn the light on before you go to bed. Lay on that pillow meditating on God's Word. Not everything that happened today. Not everything the news said going to happen. Not everything they did. All that. Turn the light on before you go to bed. Lay there. Meditate in the Word of God. Is that something that you? I'm trying to put you under law? I'm trying to give you some good advice. Are we told to study the Word, to meditate in the Word? God will minister to you. You know, a lot of times people have dreams based on what's all wrapped up in their minds and hearts. Let the Word of God, let the words of Christ richly fill your hearts. Let the Word fill your heart. You don't have to read the whole Bible before you go to bed. You won't be sleeping for sure then. But just get in the Word and just say, Lord, your words are precious. Your words are my life. Your Word is my path. Your Word reminds me of what you did for me at Calvary. Let the Word be the most important thing to you. What saturates your mind. I remember, and I know i got to quit, but Years ago when the Lord first lit me up on fire back in the mid-90s, I would take three-by-five cards and I'd write a scripture down on that three-by-five card. And I don't care how long it was, just like, like you know, Isaiah 55, verse 10 or 11, whatever it is about for thy word, is something, for the, something about the rain and snow come down from heaven and water the earth and bear it fruit and cause it to sprout and all this stuff and and he said and so shall my word be that comes forth out of my mouth it shall not return to me void and all this stuff and I had all that written down on one card I'd keep it right here and I'd just pull it out every once in a while look at it and I, I'd try to quote that word to myself I'd try to memorize it and ain't nothing wrong with that man that's the word of God Man, I'd, and, I'd, and I'd get it almost right, and I'd, I'd pull it out. Man, I thought I had it that time. And I'd, and I'd be reading it. Just, I mean, it was just meditating in the Word. It never failed. I don't know. I don't know. I get, Holy Spirit, I, ever the next day in the shower, I could quote that Word. I, I don't know. 
I don't know, it's kind of like looking at that. Right? You ever seen that thing that goes around and they pass around? It's, it's some weird drawing, and you could tell it's somebody's head or something. And you hold it up there, and you stare at it for like 30 seconds. Now, don't move your eyes, stare at it. Don't move your eyes, not there. And when you, when you look away at a white ceiling, it's it this. Have y'all ever seen that? It's this poor, you got, you got to be looking at something. You got to be looking and thinking at something. Amen. Don't this temporary stuff, it's about to burn up, pass away. Be looking at what's eternal. Even the Old Testament saints were reaching for what was ahead. They said if the Bible says in Hebrews, if they'd have been mindful of what was behind them, they'd have went back. But he said they wouldn't. They was reaching. They was looking ahead. They was looking for that same thing we're looking for, that city. We're in righteousness dwells. Hallelujah. You better stand up. We'll go all night.